It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't, what's wrong with you? It's very simple. You just click the subscribe button. It's right there. Anyway, uh, thank you for subscribing. Uh, And also thank you to patrons who help make the show possible uh, by their donations and their exclusive content uh, that they get for it, but also the mainly the donations. Um, Kathleen and Matt and Jason, Marlene, Jenny and Sean, Rhonda, Susan, Mike, Linda Grace, and Lisbeth. Thank you very much. They all became patrons just by going to thepetecalendarshow.com. And there is a helpful link there at the top of the page. You click on that and it takes you to the Patreon account. And uh, you get to pick whatever level you feel comfortable at. Every little bit helps. And when you do that, though, you get access to the exclusive content and the bumper stickers. And by the way, there is a link there at the Marketplace I really don't pitch this enough. I should probably, which is the vaccinated T-shirts, <laughs> which I've got mine. It's arriving. Um, and it says vaccinated. Not that it's any of your business. <laughs> and uh, it's a way that you get to walk around and, you know, show everybody that you're not a threat to them. And uh, also communicate the idea that they shouldn't really be asking because it's none of their business. So uh, the New York Post did this big report a couple of days ago that the American Federation of Teachers, the teachers union, lobbied the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, which, by the way, why do we never call it the CDCP? What's up with that? How come some acronyms, just the the prevention part, the P just gets dropped off the end, you know, or, or maybe it should be CDCAP, the CDCAP, the CDCAP. Why can't we call it the CDCAP? What's up with that? Anyway, um... The teachers union even suggested language for the CDC's school reopening guidance that was uh, released in February. The powerful teachers union did a full court press and it preceded the federal agency putting the brakes on full time reopening of in-person classrooms. This according to emails between the CDC, the AFT, which is the American Federation of Teachers, as well as the WH the White House. So um, the emails were obtained through a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. See, in that one, there you go. There's a good example. That acronym, we put the O in there. F-O-I-A. Why can't it just be a FIA? F-I-A. A FIA request. But no, it's a FOIA. Anyway, I know. The, The conservative watchdog group, Americans for Public Trust, did the FOIA, and then they gave the info to... The New York Post. Uh, And in the emails, there's one from the CDC director, Dr. Uh, Rochelle Walensky, or top advisors. Um, And there is one AFT senior director for health issues, Kelly Troutner. Uh, She sent a message that said, thank you again for Friday's rich discussion about forthcoming CDC guidance and your openness to the suggestions made by our president, Randy Weingarten and the AFT. Um, And she in this email, she described the union as the CDC's thought partner, the thought partner. Did you know the teachers union is the thought partner (laughs) It's one of the most annoying things about our culture now is just the conjuring up of these words. Like, I feel like I'm in a constant corporate boardroom 
you know, like or or not boardroom, but the like a meeting, you know, a corporate meeting where they're like introducing all of these words that don't mean anything like proactive and synergy, you know, stuff like that and try to activate things. Oh, it's so annoying. Anyway, Randy Weingarten, she went on to Fox 5 in New York for their morning show. Uh, Good day, New York. What the New York Post didn't report was we had more conversations with the Trump CDC in 2020 um, trying to figure out what the heck was going on than we had with the Biden CDC in 2021. The Biden CDC and the Trump CDC used to call stakeholders all the time. Okay, so it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. That doesn't matter. The fact that you were talking to the Trump people more than the Biden people, maybe the New York Post didn't report that because it's irrelevant. The CDC, if we are to, right, if you are to believe that the CDC is acting independently of politics, right? To try to find out what was going on on the ground level. So this is frankly a story that, you know, is attempting to be a distraction because both lower level scientists in the CDC, in the Biden administration, the Trump administration, the Bush administration, they all were trying to do their jobs. And the email that's being talked about is about, you know, we were having a conversation about accommodations for people you know, the ADA requires reasonable accommodations for people who are high risk. And we were talking about multi-generational households and what do you do if a teacher is part of a multi-general household and instead of them taking a leave of absence, seeing if we could get an accommodation so that they could, they could still teach. And the CDC said, that's a good idea. And we gave them, and they asked us for language and we gave them language. But at the end of the day, Wait, wait, all right, so hang on. Do you hear what she's describing? She's saying that we gave them language. In other words, we wrote the guidance because that's what they did. They wrote this guidance that the CDC then directed all schools and all states, right, everywhere, saying, here's our guidance, follow us, because we're the experts. And our guidance is that if a teacher has someone living in the home that is older and or younger, I guess, multi-generational, then you got to let them stay home. You, you don't have, you can't make them, you should not make them go to work. So is that health advice? Is that health guidance? No, that's not. Right? That's that's administrative. It's management. That's not the role of the CDC. Now, the CDC could say, you know, be aware that if there are risks um, at your workplace or you leaving your house, which there, of course, are always risks, that you have somebody who is elderly or has, you know, comorbidities, uh, immune system compromised, um, that you have to, you know, take measures to protect yourself. If you're going to be coming home to that kind of a situation, right? So they could issue those kinds of guidelines because that would apply to everybody. But what they did was they talked specifically about the schools and by issuing the guidance that they did, right? They, they forced school districts and states to make certain accommodations for the teachers. Is that the role of the health experts or is that the role of say, I don't know, the department of education or the, the white house the governors, right, local boards of ed, shouldn't it be up to those folks? The most important things that we asked, and you know me a long time, what I say publicly, I say privately. What I say privately, I say publicly. Um, And what we were saying is you need to give real guidance for how to reopen schools. Safety is the way 
to reopen. And what we've seen across the country, which is part of the reason of Joe Biden's success and of Trump's failures here, is that when you actually make, when, when you have safe conditions, like I just saw in Carl Place, which has been open all year long, it creates trust. Teachers trust it, parents trust it. And that's what we've seen over and over again. So the CDC under Biden actually created a, a way into schools, which is why less than 5% <laughs> of schools are now remote and, and everyone but, else. But Rand, Randy, there have been parochial schools open all year. There have been private schools open all year. Study after study shows that the schools are a safe place for the kids I, and the teachers. What I think many people are concerned are that it was political interference and not science that dictated the CDC guidelines. Absolutely, absolutely not. No. It was the issue, you know, if, if you actually think about stakeholders mm. as political, um, which I don't, teachers in classrooms <laughs> expressing their experience is not political. Hey, they're, they're, come on, the teachers union being political? What are you talking about? We're not political. I mean, just because we donate tens of millions of dollars every campaign cycle to the Democrats, that doesn't make us political. We're just stakeholders here, people. Now, uh, this e these email exchanges um, obviously trip the triggers for a lot of Republicans and uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, right. I, I would submit rightly associate the teachers union with blocking the school reopenings uh, for many, many months in many, many states. Um, one of those Republicans is uh, the congressman from North Carolina's third district. I want to talk with him in a minute. First, I want to talk a little bit about power tools. Where do you get them? How do you rent them? Well, the answer to both of those questions is general equipment rental in Weaverville. It's true. That's where I picked up my weed whacker, my weed eater. Uh, I haven't used it yet, but I intend to as soon as we get into our new house. And uh, if I need to rent like a big piece of machinery, which I'm looking around to try to figure out, like, how can I rent a big piece of machinery? Like, what do I need to do? What kind of project do I need to undertake, you know, to... To basically convince my wife that I can bring this piece of machinery <laughs> into the house and do some work. <laughs> I know it's going to be like a brand new house, but I'm like, I got to find something. Maybe, maybe I can rip up some yard outside, rent a big, <laughs> rent a backhoe or something. Um, so you go to General Equipment Rental, go to their website. You can see all the inventory, generalrents.com. They, uh, so yes, they do rent the tools, all you know, shapes and sizes for all sorts of projects. And they also sell uh, power equipment like uh, Honda and Husqvarna. They're the official licensed dealers, actually. And um, so they're going to know all of this, uh, these pieces of equipment, all the details about them, you know, what makes this year's model different than last year's model. So uh, go tap their expertise. And uh, by the way, they will also show you how to use the, the tools that you rent from them as well, which is pretty helpful. So you're not just flying blind, uh, you know, in there. Uh, in their machines, <laughs> which, you know, they may have an interest in making sure you don't break their stuff, too. So uh, General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. They're in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Family owned and operated for three generations. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. And think outside your toolbox. Joining me now is North Carolina's third congressional representative, uh, Dr. Greg Murphy. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Congressman Murphy. How are you? I'm well, Pete. I hope you are. I am doing well. I think it's been a couple months, probably, well, six or so since we last spoke. I think it was kind of towards the beginning of the uh, of the pandemic. And I saw you, uh, your, you and your office put out a statement 
after the comments or after a report, I should say, that was uh, in the New York Post, and I, I have the report and I read through it, um, that tied the Teachers Union, the American Federation of Teachers, uh, to the <coughs> CDC recommendations on school reopenings. So um, why would this raise? So uh, because the, the teachers union says and the CDC, I believe, as well, they say, look, there's nothing really wrong with this. You know, we talk to stakeholders all the time when we craft our guidance. So uh, why would this be objectionable for you? Well, um, Pete, this is about science. The CDC is supposedly the most reputable uh, federal agency we have to talk about healthcare and, and, and infectious disease specifically during this last round. And if they are taking their marching orders, which is essentially what they did because they, they essentially put in things almost verbatim from the teachers union about how to affect scientific policy from a political organization. It is, as, in, as, as I said before, unconscionable that medical uh, advice, medical guidelines are done in that manner. And so basically, you know, if I'm going to give medical advice, I'm going to do it based upon what I believe is as a physician, what I believe is the correct thing to do, not upon putting my finger in the air and seeing which constituency may or may not like it. And the fact that our kids have now been out of school in some places in this country for over a year, um, it's, 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 I'm tired. Stop the excuses. Get the kids back in schools because what they are doing is they are doing irreparable harm to our children, keeping them out. And so, um, uh, you know, this is what, uh, you know, I just, uh, when we read this, that uh, Dr. Walensky did this, put out the guidelines, basically in concert with a political union, it is infuriating, to say the least. Well, and I think that's the key right there. You, the word you just mentioned was a political group. And uh, I saw an interview that the AFT... Uh, President Randy Weingarten gave to a, a TV station up in New York, and she says, you know, well, we're not a political interest group. We were, you know, we're the frontline workers. We're the teachers. So, of course, the CDC would be interested in what we have to say. And I guess that's the rub, right? If if you don't view the teachers union as a political entity, <laughs> then I guess it, uh, it doesn't it, it doesn't raise any alarms. Well, that just fits in with the same thing with Biden reinventing the word infrastructure, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, you can just basically say things that have no no relevance whatsoever, what they are. They're a political body. They are political body. And the fact I'll go back to this frontline workers, you know, uh, and, I, and it was fine for, for folks to cancel schools. In fact, I urged our governor to do the same. Mm -hmm. It was it was fine to do that initially. But now stop the excuses. Enough is enough. Most teachers that I speak to want to get back in the classroom. It's just that the teachers union are holding this nation hostage um, in a, essentially a political ploy, a leverage ploy um, to, to meet demands that honestly probably have nothing to do with COVID or wages and all this other stuff. But they are causing our children irreparable harm. And I'm not going to back down from that word, irreparable harm. They're doing that to uh, so many of our minority students that don't have access to some of the technology, some of the Internet. Um, broadband uh, things, and especially out in our rural areas. So they're showing their callous nature um, in an effort to try to gain political um, uh, political influence by keeping our children out of school. Enough is enough. Stop the excuses. I, and I think it's important to kind of go back and 
remind folks of um, of you know the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, I remember the the phrase you used, and I've repeated it many times because I think it was completely appropriate, which was that we're building the plane while we're flying it. And I was willing to give a lot of elected officials and organizations and people give them a lot of leeway because we didn't have any idea what the virus was. Right? We hadn't seen it. What works? What doesn't? And when they say, "Okay, everybody, you know, stay home, lock down, flatten the curve," I you know, I was like, "Okay." you know, on board. But as the evidence continues to come in, right, like rationality would dictate that we don't do the things that don't work. <laughs> and, and we, yeah, we don't, and we don't make people's lives worse by, you know, forcing them to, uh, into certain behaviors, uh, when it's not necessary. And that has been the case with schools, at least for almost a year, right? We've known yeah. about the risk of transmission in the schools. And again, like, just like earlier, like you would have to believe that the union wasn't, or any of the unions rather, were, were not part of the reason why the schools were staying closed all that time. Yeah, it, it's it's literally ludicrous. If you look at the, you look at the European schools there back, if you look at private parochial um, schools in this country, they've all been back in time. And some public schools for that matter, have been back, uh, especially in our district in Eastern North Carolina. I think they've done an excellent job of getting kids back in school. But in so many reaches of this uh, country where the teachers influence, excuse me, where the uh, political union, the teachers' political union's influence is far greater. Uh, again, irreparable harm to those, sto- to those students uh, in an effort by teachers' unions to influence uh, or to create influence. It's wrong. It's, as I said, unconscionable for the CDC director to follow lock and step what they wanted. Uh, and I, in my opinion, she needs to resign. So, all right. So that's what I was going to ask you next, because this New York Post article uh, has documents. They did a FOIA request, and it shows this activity going on between the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, her top advisors, and union officials, and the White House folks, The uh, as they describe them, the Biden brass, uh, they were being looped in as well. And... Um, this so it seems to me, and it has for actually a couple of weeks now. It's pretty clear that our own governor Roy Cooper is—they're uh, all on the same page as to what uh, restrictions are going to get lifted on what time frame. Uh, because you know the Biden White House will say stuff, the Cooper administration will say stuff, and they're almost saying the exact same thing within 24 hours of each other. So I can't believe that's coincidence. So well. Uh, yeah, so I was going to say, yeah, do, do you think that there is this level of coordination to the point where Walensky should resign, even if it's people in her uh, in her administration, essentially, that are doing these uh, these meet and greets with the union? Uh, yeah, Pete, the way I work at it, there, there's something in medicine as a surgeon. It's called the caption of the ship mentality. Mm. The fact that she's knowledgeable about this. Don't tell me she's not knowledgeable. Um, this is the, the foremost... Uh, policy initiative and the foremost policy issue that the CDC having to deal with right now. And the fact that uh, Governor Cooper in our state follows the marching orders of the Biden administration doesn't surprise anybody. And so the fact that, uh, he, you know, our, our particular governor is uh, towing the line from the NCAE in, in North Carolina doesn't surprise anyone. It, you know, quote, follow the science, follow the science until it doesn't do what your political uh, aim is, and then you uh, don't follow the science. You know, go back to the teachers' union saying that the the uh, the recommendation from going from six feet to three feet wasn't scientifically correct. <laughs> right. Give me a break. Who who are the, who the heck do they think they are? So, um, well, and- as you can tell, this is a, a big issue with me. Um, I've taken care of a lot of kids in my in my life, as far as my uh, 
surgical practice. And I've just seen that they are ruining lives, keeping kids uh, from their education. Right. Well, and in North Carolina, the head of the teachers union here actually stated that she doesn't believe learning loss is a thing, like just denies that it happens. <laughs> so I'm well, she, good Lord, she needs to go back in school and have her brain, um, uh, you know, checked itself because give me a break. So that means education doesn't mean anything. So is that what they're saying? <laughs> Wait, so well, let's let's. Let's continue that. So she's saying education doesn't mean anything. Or why not have kids go every other year, right? I mean, you could just really get creative with the calendars if you're just not going to, uh, you're not going to try to maintain a uh, a consistent educational plan for these kids. And and I'm with you. I've, I've been hammering away at this for months. It, it, to me, it's the worst part of it. Although... Now that I hear what some of the stuff they're teaching in the schools, I'm kind of, you know, kicking myself. Maybe we shouldn't have been demanding they open back up so soon. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, precisely, precisely. Yeah. So, well, I, I do hope, though, that this is and I've said this before, but this is an opportunity for parents to get their kids out of these schools uh, and get them into schools that, you know, are in person, but are also, you know, educating them. Uh, in a manner that that the parents agree with, I think. Um, well, and, and please, the sad thing is here that a lot of uh, folks that don't have the means uh, to send their kids to private school, and, and you know, yeah. there are there are folks that are fortunate in that regard to have their means. We should not have to um, look at our public institutions as places that we don't want to send our children. You know, they're coming in with this nonsense of you know, the woke theory and all this other nonsense that they're trying to ram down the kids' throats in public institutions. Well, it used to be that you wanted your kid out because of religious purposes, that you wanted something that another school offered. Now it's getting to be the point where you want to pull your kids out because you don't like what's being taught in public schools because it has nothing to do with objective education. It has everything to do with political influence. So, uh, you know, uh, again, the, the public schools um you know really for the most part really do a great job our fellow our uh, superintendent here in pitt county is doing a fantastic job the, the folks in eastern north carolina i could not uh, uh really feel better about but it's the ones that are in other parts of the country and it's the ones that are run by uh, ncae in, in north carolina that are basically negligent in their duty more with congressman murphy in a minute first do you want to celebrate spring and get like a healthy restorative sleep you can do both you celebrate spring with a free box spring and mattress man stores get a free box spring when you buy a mattress uh that's part of the biltmore collection this, this, this collection is inspired by our very own landmark, the Biltmore State. Uh, Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore collection with its luxurious design and blend of old world craftsmanship and new world exclusive technology. It's made by Restonic, and uh, they've got, uh, that. Me, so you know it's a good mattress, right? It's Restonic, and uh, maximum adjustability. It's got five support zones, so you get correct spinal alignment, and you get optimal balance of pressure point relief and support, and all of that means a healthier sleep and you'll wake up feeling refreshed restored um and you don't even have to wait for this mattress by the way though like a lot of a lot of mattress companies are uh they've they've been having a lot of uh, problem with their inventory supply distribution chains and stuff not mattress man okay uh, you can go in there you can get a mattress don't wait you get uh synchrony finance zero down zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants they've got tons of flexible financing options so uh, if you go to mattressmanstores.com you can click the financing link there, you apply, and you get pre-approved 
right now. And uh, then they've got, you know, nationwide shipping. They have five-star local delivery service. They've got a 120-day comfort guarantee. So it's a win-win-win. You can't lose here. Go to Mattress Man. They've got four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and in Arden. Uh, the new one is in the shopping center with the IHOP there. Um, and you can walk into any of their four locations. You can also go to their website, mattressmanstores.com. Check out the inventory and experience the difference at Mattress Man. Buy local and sleep better. I'm speaking with Congressman Greg Murphy. He is a medical doctor as well. He's the uh, representative for North Carolina's 3rd Congressional District. Um, you mentioned political influence. There was one other component here uh, to this story about the CDC uh, uh, coordinating with the teachers union. Uh, the close. This is the New York Post story. The close communication between the union and the feds came despite repeated assurances from CDC and Biden officials that the medical guidelines would, quote, follow the science and be free of political interference. Now, I'm old enough to remember when this was of paramount concern that a White House might be exerting or allowing political influence over the CDC guidance during a pandemic. It was it was pre 2020. But I remember those days. Do you do you note the irony? Yeah, it's it's I'm sorry, Pete, I'm just going to call it what it is. Uh, there's so much hypocrisy within the Democratic Party today of don't do as I say, um, because uh, I'm going to do differently. And you look at so many instances that we talk. I mean, we go back to Biden's inaugural address, talk about, um, you know, unity, et cetera, et cetera. But what he does, he marches over to the White House and attacks, attacks, attacks. And he's done nothing but that for the four months he's been a- as president. So it's hypocrisy at the uh, at the greatest extent, and it's very sad for this nation. Very, very sad for this nation. You also wrote a letter to the governor, Roy Cooper, um, asking him to clearly state some sort of opposition or rejection to vaccine passports. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, but WRAL did a bit of a fact check on this. And um, so and they said, well, you know, you you and uh, your colleagues, uh, your Republican colleagues uh, from the North Carolina delegation, you know, you're asking him to reject this uh, idea. But, you know, he's not come out and said that he's in favor of it. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> it's not really like he said it. <laughs> yeah. Pete, you started out with W.R.A.L. Right. Um, <laughs> those are four letters that I don't believe have any credibility. Unfortunately, when I grew up in Raleigh, I thought they were the greatest thing in the world. Now they have no credibility whatsoever. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah he hasn't come out in favor of it, but he hadn't come out against it. So right. we're asking him to come out and say against it. This is just ridiculous in this time now that we're going to end up basically like 1930s Germany in this nation, um, where you have to have your papers, you have to have this, you have to have that. Well, good Lord, if despite us being vaccinated, we're still not being able to take our masks off because they say it's not safe. What good does having a vaccine passport, whether you've been vaccinated or not, if you still have to socially space and still have to, uh, you know, wear a mask? Thank you. So, again, it's hypocrisy (laughs) at its greatest. You know, Pete, let's look at this, you know. Um, Over on the Senate side uh, of the Capitol, and I apologize if I'm talking too much, but obviously I'm passionate about this. You can speak at a microphone without your mask over uh, amazingly 200 feet away over (laughs) on the House side. You have to get up and speak with a mask on. But amazingly, the president of the United States got up and spoke the other night without a mask on. So, again, you know, go figure. COVID knows. Where's the consistency in that? Yeah. It isn't. It's called hypocritical. It's called inconsistent uh, um, uh, marching orders from the White House and from the uh, far left. 
I, I would I would I would put all of those under a heading uh, have over the last year called COVID knows, you know, COVID knows if you're sitting down at a table in a restaurant versus standing up at a bar. COVID knows how high up you are, where where you're breathing. COVID knows these things. If you're protesting for social justice versus uh, going to church, for example, COVID knows the difference and it smites you like it is. It's it's bordering on religion. Look, I have a uh, I've got one of the shots for the vaccine. I go back for another one soon. I know you did the video promoting promoting the vaccinations and I, mm-hmm. like I'm 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 just baffled why <clears throat> the messaging on the vaccinations is get these things so nothing changes I mean Joe Biden and uh, uh and his wife are walking around outside with masks on when they're both fully vaccinated I don't understand the the PR effort here well it, it, it's just inconsistency it's lunacy um you know therefore again you know I'm a surgeon I think of A, B, C, D. I think if you do this, you need this, you need this. So if we're never going to be able to take our masks off, if we've been vaccinated, why are we getting vaccinated? Right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, that, that's a little extreme in, in some regards because, you know, because there is definitely something with vaccination that has nothing to do with masks, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a point. There has to be a point, Pete, where we say, okay, you know, um, take your mask off. We've done the best that we can. We're going back to society. I personally think July 1st, and this is my own personal opinion, that if you've had the chance to be vaccinated in this country, I never thought it was going to be a supply problem. It's going to be a demand problem. Mm-hmm. July 1st. If you've been vaccinated, great. You've had a chance to do it. July 1st, we're taking our mask off. We're moving ahead because you've had the chance to do this, but it's time for our nation to move ahead. But, you know, the, these guys and Fauci in particular, We'll try to string out this pandemic literally as long as possible. So how do you get over? And this is one of the one of the another thing that's baffled me sort of. And this is on more on the right side of the political spectrum. I think there are a lot of people that are hesitant to get the vaccine. Um, and these were the, a lot of these same people that were talking about, you know, getting to herd immunity a year ago. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't want to take the vaccine because it's, quote, experimental. And, I, and I, look, I get it. Emergency authorization. I get it. But like, I, how else are we supposed to get past this? I, I'm I'm unclear uh, on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And here's the deal. You know, uh, Pete, I get some of these people who are anti-vaxxers or, or whatever, because we had those folks before and, mm-hmm. you know, had to deal with that for what's whatsoever. Um, I, I looked at this very objectively and I've done this. I put out over 30 plus videos that I thought were very objective and I've been praised about being very objective nonpartisan what i've said because i've taken heat from many sides about what i've said about things that said the science was done very very uh, meticulously no corners were cut regulation was cut and we came out with a safe and effective vaccine in record time yeah there have been a few people that have died despite having the vaccine but let me tell you having known young 25 year olds and i've known this personally who've gotten covid and died nonetheless Um, Just, uh, you know, the risks of COVID are far, far, far greater than the risks of any side effect um, of taking a vaccine. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, I saw a patient today, actually, um, that I've been taking care of for 20 years. And I said, uh, you've been vaccinated? And I did this from a doctor because I can do this. Um, You've been vaccinated? He goes, no, I'm not doing this. And I said, I said, I'll I'll make up a name, George. Um, Why does that not surprise me? He goes, I understand. (laughs) And I'm willing to take the risk. I said, Okay, good. You're willing to take it. Let's move on. Right. Um, But you know what? Let's move on. Enough is enough is enough. And I'm tired of the excuses. 
by teachers union getting doing the circular thing. Yeah. Um, tired of teachers union trying to do this for influence. And I'm really, as I said in my in the article, unconscionable decision by the CDC director to basically take marching orders from teachers union when making public policy. Congressman Greg Murphy, North Carolina's uh, third congressional district representative. Uh, thanks for your time. Is there, oh, is there anything else you'd like to add that you think is important or interesting well, to note here that we didn't cover? I think I ran off pretty well, Pete. Uh, so <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of information in there that the naysayers will be able to, uh, to to want to attack me on. But as I said, you know, I love the fact checkers. I love to fact check the fact checkers, especially at WREL. And I've I've facted. They've fact checked me several times and said I was wrong three times with things. And I've come back and proven to them that I was right. But of course, they would never um, they would never pull that back. But that's WRAL. Did so, you catch anyway. the lieutenant governor's uh, joke at their expense at one of his speeches? I think it was at the Moore County Republican Party uh, no. Reagan dinner. Uh, WRAL. We really are liberal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah, it. I was, love it. It was so, a good one. So I hadn't heard it great. before. Uh, Congressman Greg Murphy, thanks for your time, sir. I always appreciate it. Great, Pete. Take care. All right, you too. All right, so uh, what do you got going on this weekend? Any big plans? You're going to go outside? You're going to go camping or hiking or something? Do you take a pack with you when you go out and do this? I mean, obviously, if you're camping, you take a pack, obviously. Um, but do you have a first aid kit in that pack? You should. Are you a prepper? Do you have a go bag? Do you have a first aid kit in that go bag? Do you know what a first aid kit should have in it? Maybe that's a better question. You know who does? Uh, Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. He can help you put together a first aid kit. Uh, also for your vehicle, these you know emergency kits, first aid kits, vital to have in your vehicle. He's also got backpacks. He's got ammo cans. He's got camp stoves, first aid kits, as I mentioned. He's got tons of stuff. He gets new stuff in all the time. I mean, he's usually getting body armor in pretty regularly as well, although it has become, it's becoming harder to find. I wonder why. <laughs> uh, Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street. Real U.S. Military Surplus, okay? The shop is open Monday through Saturday. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. When you go in, make sure and ask them about it. And uh, you can check out the website at oldgrouch.com. That's oldgrouch.com. So uh, we were just talking there about the WRAL fact checker. And they're because uh, they're hooked up with PolitiFact, the national organization. And uh, I, I guess I don't know what the exact arrangement is. I guess they fund a position in newsrooms or something. And then that person focuses only on, you know, fact checking certain individuals of their choosing, I guess. I don't know. So uh, this this was the fact check that we were just discussing. It's by Paul Andy Specht. I, I don't know which. Well, I've seen his name both ways, like in, I think on Twitter, he's Andy and on the byline at WRAL, he's Paul or vice versa. At any rate, um, he puts out this fact check on Twitter. He says there is no law capitalizing. No, he says there is no law requiring people to get a covid shot. Governor Cooper has not said he will mandate vaccine passports. And he has a video from some protest March that occurred uh, the other day that was uh, they're promoting this bill 588. I've got the details of it. We'll get into a little bit. Um, 
But there were a bunch of people that were there to, you know, it was a legislative action day trying to urge the General Assembly to pass this legislation that would prohibit any kind of the of creation of a vaccine passport. OK, so um, there were people out there and I'm sure there were people that were out there that was saying, you know, no passport and Cooper wants to do this. And so the fact checker comes in and says, hey, 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 there's no law requiring this. And the governor has not said he will mandate this. So this is technically true technically true and i'm not sure anybody has said otherwise like anyone with authority in an official position or anything nobody has said that there is a mandated vaccine passport right now and nobody has said that the governor um is trying to create one no one said that i'm not aware of anybody of any kind of repute that has said that here is uh the wral piece Uh, how it starts. North Carolina Republicans are concerned that Governor Roy Cooper will create a COVID vaccine passport system that may infringe on individuals' civil liberties. Several Republicans in Congress and the state legislature wrote letters to Cooper after he mentioned having, quote, discussions about the idea on March 31st. And uh, then on April, and so this prompted a letter from uh, their state representatives, uh, and then there was a letter that went out from the Congress uh, people from North Carolina, Dr. Murphy being one of them. Uh, So April 21st, U.S. Representative Dan Bishop tweets out that Cooper, quote, hasn't rejected the idea of a vaccine passport. And that is true. That is quite true. Cooper has not rejected this idea. He doesn't ever address the idea when it is presented to him. He never says, I'm against it or I'm for it. He just leaves it open. And that tells me that he either is waiting on polling or he's for it. And he would do it if the polling gave him cover to do it. I suspect he would. But I have no evidence of that. That's just my gut feeling. Um, And uh, these Republican lawmakers, Dan Bishop in his tweet, said that Cooper needs to come out and say... I reject this idea. And so these Congress people, they send a letter. This is uh, Bishop and uh, Congressman Madison Cawthorn, uh, Congressman Rich Hudson, Representative T- uh, Ted Budd, Greg Murphy, as well as Congresswoman Virginia Fox, all calling on him to reject the passports outright. And then there is a screenshot of the letter. And uh, it says, I'm just going to give you a couple lines from it, it says, because it's like six paragraphs or something. They say, we ask that you refrain from in, uh, instituting a vaccine passport program. They go on to say, I'm sorry, it's really small text here. Um, a vaccine passport program would create unnecessary controversy that could impact vaccine distribution. Currently, discussions have failed to address the preservation of individual liberty and conscience protections, resulting in further divisiveness. Vaccine creation and distribution is intended to bolster the health and resilience of our communities while bringing back uh, while bringing people back together. Instead, a vaccine passport would only weaponize these efforts for political gain. Okay, so that's just a couple of lines from the uh, from the congressional letter. And now back to WRAL's piece. Mr. Specht picks up. He says, while Cooper says the state government plans to help North Carolinians access their vaccination records, PolitiFact NC found no evidence that Cooper will require COVID vaccinations or ordered vaccinated people to use his verification system. Okay, first off, um, I think it's important to ask yourself, why? Why is Cooper interested in creating 
this access to people's vaccination records. Why? People want them. Well, why? See, like this is one of the one of the fundamental questions reporters are trained to ask. Right? The five W's. Why is one of them. Why would he create this system? Well, he just wants people to be able to get their vaccination cards. Yeah, they already do, though. I've got one shot. I got a card. They give it to you. So, oh, well, maybe people lose it. Okay. So he wants to create this system for people who have lost their cards? Is that the idea? It's got to be an easy system. Why, why would you need to get access to the vaccination card? Because after you've lost it, right? Why would you need the card? Why would you need to whip out a card? Why would you need to show a card? What's up? Why would you need to, make the, to prove this? You know the answer to this question, right? Is that some entities are going to ask to see it, right? He said at the time, why, uh, sorry, we, this was from a March 31st story that um, WFAE, the public radio station down in Charlotte, quoted him uh, as saying when he was touring a, a, a Caramont uh, Regional Medical Center in Gastonia, and he said, quote, we want to be able to help people to be able to show others that they have gotten the vaccine because a lot of people are going to want that. So we're figuring out that now, and we're having discussions about the best way to do that. Okay, some people are going to want to see these vaccination cards. Why would there need to be a mechanism for this? Well, he says, right, people are going to want to see it, okay? Vaccination records, though, are required for certain jobs, school registration, and travel abroad. Duke University, for instance, is requiring its students to get the COVID vaccine in order to return to campus for the fall. See, so it's already being implemented. And so what he wants to do is to help those organizations and the people who are seeking access to the organizations, right? He wants to help them all make this possible, right? Get the card, show the card, prove you've had the vaccine. That's what this is about. Here, well, this is from uh, April 6th. This was from the press conference. Hi, this is Michael Hyland from CBS 17. Uh, one us first, uh, last week you indicated there were some discussions underway regarding the potential for vaccine passports. Can you give us an update on that? We've seen some Republican governors in neighboring states come out pretty strongly against that concept in the last several days. Uh, is that something you think the state should make available for people to use? So we think that anybody who wants to get uh, a record of their vaccine should be able to get that record. And Dr. Cohen, and I'll let her address it, but they are working now to find the, the best and easiest way for someone who says, hey, I want to show a record of my vaccine. We need to be able to easily get it to them. And I think that's something that the state should do. But I'll let Dr. Cohen address that a little more specifically. Hi, Michael. So as the governor said, we obviously are collecting information about people's vaccination so that we can track to make sure they got their first shot and their second shot. We just want to be able to make sure that folks can access their own information about that vaccine for whatever purpose they may need. So we're looking <laughs> at different um, IT solutions to make that as easy as possible for folks. We know that there are a few states that have already done that. And we're looking at a number of vendor partners that we can work with um, in the next couple of weeks, again, just to make things easy for folks to get their own information. Thanks. Right. See, that's it. They're just trying to help. <laughs> so like, he's simply building this database so people can get proof of the vaccination. And, you know, if businesses, agencies, organizations, if they want to implement a vaccine passport requirement, well, this would help them do that. 
See, so it's totally different. He's not creating the vaccine passport system. He's just helping a system be created. Totally different. I don't know why everybody's all upset about this. It's totally different. Um, Buying and selling a home um, can be difficult. And uh, if you're not getting results, then you need to do something different. And that's get a better real estate agent or a different one. It it just might not be a good fit. All right. I've had some bad ones and I've had uh, some good ones. The best I've had, Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. Okay, Uh, put them to work for you. 828-333-4483 is the phone number. 828-333-4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. And buying or selling, she's the only agent I called, and uh, she outsells 99% of the realtors in the entire state. Uh, You should give her a call. She'll get your house sold quickly and for more money. She has buyers lined up. She has homes in all price points. 828-333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com. Give her a call and then start packing. So it might, you might be asking yourself, like, why is it just so difficult for the governor to say, I will not impose any vaccine passport mandate? Why wouldn't you just say that? But he leaves it out there and he keeps getting asked about it and he won't simply say, I won't do it at that news conference from last month. And by the way, he was asked at the previous news conference about this as well. So he's been asked repeatedly. Here was the follow up. Good afternoon, Governor Laura Lee from Carolina Public Press. I just wanted to revisit Michael's question about um, vaccination passports. I understand you want people to have access to their information, but I guess there's a distinction between that and uh, a government-mandated passport of some sort that some people are concerned about. Um, So just to revisit that and hopefully get some clarity on what your stance is on vaccination passports. We're working on ways to easily be able to provide a record of a vaccine to anyone who wants it. He's not answering. Uh, Obviously, you need to be careful with civil civil liberties and privacy, uh, but we think that that ought to be available to anybody who asks for it. And so the department is working on the best way to do that. So he's leaving it open. He's leaving open the possibility that, yeah, he'll go ahead and do this at some point if he feels like it. He doesn't want to say no yet. So he's going to build the system. And at first, you know, if the colleges want to use it, if schools want to use it, if some businesses want to use it, and there's more and more early adopters, then they get followed by the, you know, the first wave follower crowd. And then, oh, you know what? Now everybody's doing it. So now, you know, we'll go ahead and mandate it now. Right. He wants to leave the door open. Otherwise, why wouldn't you just say, no, I don't intend to to issue this mandate. If other people want to do it, they'll be free to do that. That's why we're building the system. Once again, you know, he's he's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He's trying to say, I'm not building the system to implement a mandate, although I might just leave that as a possibility, but I'm not doing it to uh, to do anything to create this vaccine passport. I'm just building the system to allow it to exist. And the media lets him get away with this. Uh, There have been a ton of states so far that have uh, come out uh, opposed to this. Uh, 14 states that have pledged either support or uh, for them or against them. So uh, against them, you got Arizona, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Montana, Nebraska, Tennessee, Texas, Utah. On the other side of the ledger, you got Hawaii and New York. And that's it. So you got two. (laughs) You got two. Uh, 
Democratic strongholds at that. Uh, so not only did members of the North Carolina congressional delegation write a letter, but uh, so too did North Carolina General Assembly, the state legislators. They were also like, hey, dude, why don't you just reject this thing? Senate leader Phil Berger's spokesman Pat Ryan said, quote, people should not be required to walk around with papers showing their personal health information just to go about their daily lives. Well, see, that's why we have the app. <laughs> this question also puts the lie to the liberal argument that voter ID is racist. Because they argue that requiring a photo ID to vote would harm non-white citizens, yet simultaneously argue that requiring a new government-produced ID in order to go about their daily lives, that this is equitable, right? And if they attempt to resolve that contradiction by having no identity verification requirement for a vaccine passport, then how can anybody even trust the validity of the passport? It just makes no sense. So, is it possible that Governor Cooper is kind of jammed up on this now? And maybe that's why he's not answering the question, because he doesn't want to get because Pat Ryan is exactly correct. You can't on one hand say that voter ID is racist and then require people to essentially carry voter ID. Right. Counterintuitive. But I mean, that is sort of at the heart of progressivism. Um, there are a couple different bills that uh, would address this. The, the big one is House Bill 558, big as in lengthy. Um, and this is titled An Act Making It Unlawful in the State of North Carolina to Mandate Vaccinations Against Particular Illnesses, Including COVID-19. So this is more expansive than just COVID-19. So this has now run afoul of some folks because it has a kind of an anti-vaxxer strain going on in it, you know, because now if I'm allowed to say I'm not going to get any vaccination and I should be able to go anywhere I want, right, this would fly in the face of a lot of the vaccination rules that we already use to guard against polio and, you know, measles, mumps, rubella, that sort of stuff. So there's that one. This is what people showed up in Raleigh to rally in support of the other day that prompted the PolitiFact piece. There's another bill, though. It's 686. Um, This one is titled An Act Prohibiting State and Local Government Retribution uh, Regarding Refusal of Vaccinations. And um, this is a little bit of a different idea. It's proposed by Representative Jake Johnson, a Polk County Republican, and he hopes that state lawmakers will embrace his plan, says Brian Anderson from the AP, given that it is narrower in scope than some other proposals that would apply to schools, hospitals and businesses. So this bill, and I'll just give you the the one uh, sentence highlight here, the provisions Uh, apply to all state and local government employees and applicants for local government employment, such that those employees and applicants shall have the right to refuse any of the coronavirus vaccines without being subjected to termination or retaliation, and then states any legal resident of this or another state who chooses not to take any of the coronavirus vaccines approved for emergency use or otherwise by the U.S. FDA, has the same right as an individual who chooses to take such a vaccine to the full and free use of buildings and land owned, leased, and otherwise controlled by the state of North Carolina or any of its uh, political subdivisions, including schools, colleges, and universities. So in other words, it's very limited to just these vaccines for COVID-19, right? So it's targeted so it wouldn't undo all of the other vaccinations now, uh, or requirements for vaccinations. Um, 
there is opposition to this bill. State health officials say they're worried that this would conflict with federal rules and could create staffing shortfalls if outbreaks occur at state-operated health facilities. Quote, it appears that we could not treat anybody differently because they have or have not gotten vaccinated. That would mean we'd have to treat every employee in one of our state health facilities as if they are unvaccinated. Represent- this is, that was uh, Matt Gross, the Assistant Secretary for Government Affairs at the uh, North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services. Sarah Stevens, who is a Republican lawmaker, she said that she's worried that local and state governments seeking to require workers to get a vaccine are not factoring in the immunity that their employees could have acquired if they previously tested positive. She says, quote, there don't seem to be any exceptions for people requiring the vaccine for those who may have already have the immunities. If you have the immunities, why in the world would you need a vaccine? And then I love this. This is Brian Anderson. Actually, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDCP, um, has an answer for that. They say people should get vaccinated regardless of whether they've recovered from COVID-19 because experts don't know how long natural immunity lasts. Yeah, I don't think they know how long the vaccines last either. This, that, it is experimental, right? Like we're we're all practicing battlefield medicine here. We're going to find out, like, is this a long term solution or not? Because there have been reports early on that we're not going to know until, you know, later on whether they are effective still. But I love how you just, you know, throws the dig there. Actually, if you had the if you had COVID-19, like my understanding is that you're actually better protected because you already had it. You had the literal thing. <laughs> so, uh John Sanders, our friend over at the John Locke Foundation, uh he he does this North Carolina threat-free index and he has it updated um for the week ending um this was back on April 26th. Uh, and he crunches some of the numbers and he says, all things considered, all of the metrics and everything, and he breaks down all of like the case counts. He breaks down hospitalizations and people with COVID, people who tested positive. He does all this breakdown. And he says, all things considered, about 99.8% of people in North Carolina posed no threat to you. <laughs> 99.8% of the people pose no threat of passing COVID along to you. The metrics that Governor Cooper has made up as justification, and he has, he, he conjured these up, and you could say they're justified, but he says this is why we needed the lockdowns. These are now being discarded, though, for the new gotta vaccinate two-thirds of all adults or else we don't get summer. Okay? So th- these are up to him, and they always have been, and maybe media should start treating them like that. That's a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, go to thepetecalendarshow.com and click on the subscribe button and you'll get the free daily podcast. Talk to you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.